Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022. I'm on your host, Blessing Adelia Jr. Joining me is twitch.tv slash Andy Cortez. Top of the morning to you, Blessing. Top of the morning to you, Kevin Coelho. How are you doing, sir? Andy, happy Good. Elden Ring Review Day. Happy Elden Ring Review Day. We're so close to uh, everybody being able to play it. We're even closer to people being able to watch you and me play a yeah, bit. Yeah, we're almost there, man. It's my favorite holiday, of the, or one of my favorite holidays of the season. Of course, with review season comes many specific holidays. Of course, we had Horizon Miss. You know, we had uh, yeah, <laughs> we had Seafunica. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Right now, and right now we're in Elden Raquanza. Giving, you know, Elden's oh, yeah. giving. We're in Elden <laughs> giving, exactly. And so, and so, are you, are you, are you celebrating the holiday anyway? Um, I, I let me let's just say that I celebrated a lot before. <laughs> uh, and the twelve days of Elden, of course. Yeah, 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 absolutely. The twelve days, you know, maybe the the forty eight hours uh, within seventy two hours of a, of three days. It was just a lot of Elden Ring, but I had Elden Ring on my birthday, which is the best gift I could have asked for. That was mm-hmm. that was the coolest thing ever. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Have you seen his reviews? Yes, yes. Pretty stellar stuff out there. Pretty stellar stuff out there. Andy, I can't wait to talk to you about these reviews because, of course, that's going to be the number one news story because today's stories include a big ol' Elden Ring review roundup, Call of Duty skipping a year, and more because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and weekday at 10 a.m. live right here on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosteeth.com, or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily remember you can use epic creator code kind of funny on all epic store and epic in-game purchases like rocket league and fortnite to help support the channel to be a part of the show to patreon.com slash kind of funny games or bronze members or above get to write in and so silver members or above get the show ad free with the exclusive daily post show housekeeping for you of course our elden ring review is up right now as a kind of funny games cast it's me it's andy and of course it's tam from the number one souls reviewing website gamespot.com uh with tim motherfucking getty's hosting uh me andy and tam have all played varying levels of elden ring and we have a lot to say so go check out that review on youtube.com slash kind of funny games and on podcast services around the globe 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 thank you to our patreon producers Gordon McGuire, James Davis at James Davis Makes, Pranksy, Manny the Bagel Boy Sanchez, and Blackjack. Today we're brought to you by Purple Mattress and DoorDash, but we'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have four stories today. A baker's dozen. And Andy, I didn't want to waste time getting here because this is all. Why would you? Why would I? This is all people mm-hmm. want to talk about. I looked in the in the reader mail, the question bucket, and so many people wrote in asking questions about Elden Ring because, of course, y'all went through, y'all read the reviews, a lot of 10, 10 out of 10s out there. You guys listen to the Gamescast, and you guys have a lot to say and ask. And so, and so we're going to hop into the review roundup. I have a few reviews I'm going to pull from. Of course, on Metacritic right now, it is sitting at a 97, <gasps> which is crazy high on open critic it's also sitting at a 97 let's start with mitchell saltzman at ign who gives it a 10 out of 10 and says it is no exaggeration to say that elder ring is from software's largest and most ambitious game yet uh and that ambition has more than paid off even after 87 hours of blood sweat and tears that included some of the most challenging fights i've ever fought and innumerable surprises there are still bosses that i le- that i left on the table secrets that i've yet to dis- uncover side quests that i missed out on tons of weapons spells and skills that i've never used and this is all on top of pvp and cooperative play that i've barely been able to scratch the surface of 
Throughout it all, while all the fundamentals of combat haven't changed much from what we've seen before, the enormous variety of viciously designed enemies and the brutal but surmountable bosses have brought its battle to a new level. Even with all the threads I didn't manage to tug on my first playthrough of what I'm sure will be several, what I was treated to, I can easily I can easily be what I, what I was treated to can easily be held amongst the best open world games I've ever played. Like the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild before it, Elden Ring is one that we'll be looking back on as a game that moved a genre forward. Uh, Tamor at GameSpot, again, the number one Elden Ring website, uh, Tam gave it a 10 out of 10 and says, In a genre that has become rot with bloated and overdesigned games, Elden Ring is defiantly contrarian in almost every way. Its commitment to, to design by subtraction and to placing the responsibility of charting a path through its world entirely on the player makes it, makes it stand heads and shoulders above other open world titles. Elden Ring takes the shards of what came before it and forges them into something that will go down in history as one of the all-time greats, a triumph in design and creativity, and an open world game that distinguishes itself for what it doesn't do as much as what it does. And then Daniel That guy's Pat a writer. That guy's a writer. Oh, Tam was in his stuffy. Tam was at the bottom of his duffy where you find all of like the little trash elements that, that, that sink to the bottom tam was there swimming in it tam but having like... that mj game the flu game dude that guy tam was as sleep deprived as i was and he was still finding a way to be a goddamn poet tam, tam was steph curry during the all-star game where he's pulling up, up from <laughs> oh places God. that you shouldn't be pulling up from you know he's at the half court line he's like the three from where court. what the f it's yeah. like what you just don't you do that you just do that out of nowhere you just yeah. apparently tam is just like that he's a steph curry mm -hmm. riding now feel different and then uh, Daniel Tack at Game Informer gave it a 10 out of 10 and says, Elden Ring challenged me, captivated me, and enchanted me. An unyielding deluge of discovery and artistic vision unbound. Elden Ring represents a truly amazing combination of various game elements that all come together to create something fascinating, special, and unforgettable. Elden Ring isn't just the best game this year. Elden Ring isn't just okay. Yeah, you said that. Elden Ring isn't just the best game this year. I, I had to reread it because I was like, isn't it February? You can already say that. But hey, Daniel Tack. <laughs> confident out here yeah. it's one of the best games ever made andy it seems like this elden ring game is all right doing it's doing okay blessing um it's doing all right. seems like a lot of people are pretty uh pretty happy with the fact that we had a game that was so hyped up and it released and it delivered and i think that's the biggest thing and most important thing to take note of is that like many other overhyped games that could have come out, it could have been an, uh, you know, a meh game. Could have been a 7 or an eight, 8 out of 10. But From Software has kind of shown in the last decade that that's not what they do. They're not here to put out meh games. They're going to blow your mind with a lot of different moments and characters and game design decisions. And uh, yeah, man, the game rules. I can't stop thinking about it. It's all I want to do. I want to quit my job. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you, both in wanting to quit the job, quit the job but also in, like, thinking about Elden Ring, right? Like, mm. in our review that we recorded yesterday, it's up this morning. I think I had the most dissenting opinion on it, where, you know, you were immediate, 5 out of 5, amazing. Tam, of course, gave it a 10 out of 10 on GameSpot and gave it a 5 out of 5 on our scale. I'm, I, I'm not far enough in Elden Ring where I feel comfortable enough to give it a concrete score yet. I'm still, like, swaying back and forth between a 4 and a 5, and that comes down to... Things that like I it, it comes it comes down to almost preferential stuff, but stuff that I think they could do better in the game design, not necessarily the world design, because I think the world design for me is the big takeaway of what is incredible about the game. But even for me being where I'm at with Elden Ring, which I'm saying all this being 25 hours in, which I know is a lot of time to put into a game already, uh I was expecting it to get the tens that it's getting, right? Like these don't surprise me playing what I played because it truly is something special, right? Like the um, Mitchell Saltzman from IGN compared it to Breath of the Wild, and like that's a, it's a, it's a reference that comes up a lot, especially when you're talking about open world games and open world games that go for a specific thing. Elden Ring, I think the comparison becomes apt just in the way that it is so hands off and free in terms of, hey, we're not going to guide you, we're not going to give you icons, we're not going to like you know, give you like the, the open world quest structure that you're so used to from other big open world action RPGs or Ubisoft games or whatever. We're going to be so hands off that you put the icons in the map yourself. You discover shit yourself. You literally in, in the world, right? Not even the map. You look around and go, all right, what interests me? And you follow along that. And I think that is such a rare type of open world design. And I think it's something that really speaks to people that maybe get tired of the other kinds of open world games or are looking for something to get lost in as opposed to something to check off a list. And, and I want to point out that, you know, the idea of seeing an open world map 
that not only continues to expand. The, well, I'm at 63 hours in, and it it is still uh, being uncovered. There's still a gigantic portion of it that has not been kind of uncovered by the fog uh, of war. Um, it is really, really impressive and cool. And the idea of placing down your own markers, that's a feature that you can do, and a lot of games have that sort of feature in them. But it's something that I've never used, really, until this game. Like, I found myself wanting to do that because I kind of, in a way, wanted to catalog my experience and made sure that I marked down something that, hey, I'm not going to get to that right now, but I want to come back to it. Let me put down a little icon and maybe I'll put the skull icon because maybe it's a bad guy that I got my ass whooped and I know I'm not strong enough yet, but I want to come back to this dude whenever I'm powerful enough. So having those... I, I don't want people to think that, like, the game is making you do all of that work yourself. A lot of it is just, it's something that I didn't see myself ever wanting to do. And here I was charting my path through this gigantic lands between yeah. with I mean, all of these of the little fun. markers. It was so like, much fun. Like, I, I think that's the thing that makes Elden Ring so cool is the fact that, like, it isn't, it, it really is about charting your own experience. And it is it is that type of game where... I think people are going to come out with it, um, come out of it with their own stories to tell where they go to their friend who's also playing Elden Ring and talk about how, yeah, I went this way. And they're like, oh, I went a completely different way. Like, I think that happened uh, when I first started playing where yeah. I got the code a few days after uh, UTM and like that first wave. And I got to a castle um, that was a bit more south of the map. And I was making my way through it. And I got to the end of the castle and faced a boss that fucking destroyed me in two swipes. And I was, I messaged you, Andy. I was like, dude, I just made it to the end of this castle. Bro, this fucking boss is hard. And, and, and Andy's like, where are you? And I sent you a, uh, a screenshot of my map. And you're like, bro, get out of it. <laughs> like, what are you doing there? <laughs> uh, but, like, that's the cool thing about it is the fact that, like, it let me go south, right? Whereas, like, other people might have went north. And and even the with that, right, there was a point where I went east. <laughs> and, like, when I went east, I found an area where I was like, oh, shit, this, this is, is way hell. different. And yeah. also, this is literally hell. Like, this is... I'm taking swipes at enemies, barely doing anything to their damage. And, you know, the, the fact that the game gives you the freedom to do that, I think, is something that I would like to see out of more open-world games that, like, that that want, that want you to explore the world, that want you, to, want you to experience the world as a world to get lost in and explore, as opposed to a world to, like, that a world where you find whatever the, the big, tall structure is to uncover a big section of it. Yeah, you weren't level-gated off. You weren't trying to explore down south and an npc said nope you've got to get the the gem of yeah. jamuna cry you you're like oh. you'll get a five star rating and cops will come after you exactly exactly so like th there's none oh, of those no, moments happening you're not heading to an area you shouldn't be and there's a level 74 above their head and you go up oh, too high level for me i'm not going to do this yeah i mean granted that it, they do that in a soft way which I respect like the fact that I take a swipe at an enemy and I see. Oh, that's what I mean though. Down, and yeah, yeah I'm like, like all right, I shouldn't be here. You have to see for yourself. Uh, and I think that's something that's really enjoyable. Um, the amount of holy shit, what is going on moments are are they just keep on happening. I keep on teleporting by accident to somewhere else, or not by accident, by design, because I'm the one choosing to go there. And suddenly I'm in this place that I couldn't have even fathomed existing in this world. I take a an elevator down to some place or up to some place, and you just realize, like, God damn, that this mountain isn't just that tall to look that tall. It isn't there for aesthetic purposes. It's because yeah. I've I've been adventuring for fucking seven stories through it. I saw some people in chat being like sixty three hours. What the hell, Andy? Um, I got to the end game moment around thirty ish hours, about around thirty five. And that was after a lot of exploring. And then I realized, oh, this is kind of the end of the game. I don't want to do this yet. I, I, and I, I want to explore it, more. I think more people are going to play it that way, though. Like, yeah, I think when you say 63 so. hours, I think that is a realistic, like, no, if you're if you're wondering, you're going to spend that much time in Elden Ring. Like, I foresee myself before beating this game, probably putting in 100 hours. Like, I'm 25 hours in and I just beat the second big boss. And I and none of like, it felt like a chore to me. That's the thing. It's like I'm not. Yeah. I'm not doing this because I feel like I uh, I just gotta go to this other section. Fucking. It doesn't like, feel artificially long. I've I've never felt. Yeah. There's no like artificial bloat in here. I've wanted to do everything that I've done, and I'm I want to see every square foot of this map because it is so impressive, and there are secrets all over the damn place. 
Andy, of course, like I said earlier, plenty of people wrote in to patreon.com slash kind of funny games with questions about Elden Ring, just like it's a me BT did. It's a me BT wrote in and says, uh, with the overwhelming positive reviews for Elden Ring, my intrigue has skyrocketed this morning. However, as someone who does not enjoy the gameplay and grotesque nature of Soulsborne games, but is interested in games that push the industry forward, would you recommend it to someone like me? Should I pick this up? I would say watch other people play it. Watch some videos first. Um, I had some people in my chat, uh, the homie T Sweens, comment and say, "Yeah, something about you know when I look at Bloodborne, that game is just like it to me." BT says that this this game is gross. It's grotesque. It's ugly to look at. Like it's a terrifying place to be, and I don't want to be in this area. And I think Elden Ring, on its surface of what they've shown so far, looks like a lovely, magical place. And there are certainly areas blessing that are forests and there's trees and there's it's a lot mystical. of beautiful stuff to look at yeah there's a lot of beautiful and no even, now granted like even the horrible gross looking shit in this game is still beautiful to look at it's got great art direction everything's really really nice but um there are certainly plenty of areas in this game that'll make you go like holy shit this is hell this this is a hell place to be right now why am i here you know like that thing is yeah. that will always happen you know and I'm I'm somebody who I think I relate a little bit to It's Me BT in terms of the grotesque nature of Soulsborne games, where I I fucking adore Bloodborne and Sekiro, and I think part of and and I I'm more interested in those games than the Dark Souls or Demon Souls games. And the reason I'm more interest, interested in those games is that they have an aesthetic that appeals to me, right? I like the cosmic horror, I like the Lovecraftian nature of Bloodborne, and I I like the setting of Sekiro. Bloodborne has plenty of shit that. I really had to push through because I liked I liked it so much that I allowed myself to deal with the snakes and deal with the spiders and deal with all the shit that was grotesque, right? Because that is the From Software touch. Elden Ring has a lot of that same shit in terms of like, oh, there's shit in here that you're going to be horrified looking at. In fact, there's a castle for me that's like very northern of the map that I, I just happened across. And I was like, oh shit, there's a big castle here. Let me see what's inside it. And the first two enemies that I saw were for me the most some of the most horrifying things i've seen in a video game and like i fought those things was wincing the entire time died and i was like i don't know how i'm gonna beat that castle i don't know i don't know how i'm gonna do it honestly because like elder ring I, I like the aesthetic but it's also not bloodborne second row for me where i'm like i'm gonna push through because i really gotta experience this thing part of me is like maybe i'm just never gonna explore, explore that castle because of the type of horror that is in that castle there is um, a moment uh that tam and that i was telling tam about where i i experienced something similar to what you experienced and i was like well, you know, this is really scary, but luckily I don't have to beat this game. I can move on. And I was like, no, I do have to play this. <laughs> I do. Like, yeah. this is, there are plenty of scary moments and, and like terrifying enemies, but uh, it's the nature of your play style. It's the nature of combat. It's the nature of you having a sword and a shield or cool magical spells that makes me feel like, like Frodo going in, going to, you know, Mount Doom, Kevin. You know what I mean? Going to Mount Doom. Yep, Mount Doom. You know what I mean? Yeah, Sam exactly. right there behind him be like, oh, let me let me bury your weight. Yeah. And to <laughs> to it's a B BT's point here about uh combat, right? Like combat is very much from software souls combat. Like I even saw somebody in chat hope that uh, say that they hope the combat is more secure than souls. It is not. It is souls combat, which if I'm being completely honest, right? Like I for me is the least interesting combat like uh system out of the from software slate like i prefer bloodborne i prefer Sekiro. and like somebody in chat was like bless you should check out souls games i have played quite a bit of demon souls and i just i just gravitate toward the other ones because i think there's a little bit more character and uniqueness there um and so like if you're not if you're not a person that's into that souls type of combat you will not be into elden ring like i i in in my review in in our review like one of the things i mentioned in terms of like why i'm a little bit more dissenting on it even though i think it's great even though i think it's wonderful right is the fact that it is so it is still very from software it is still it still has all the things that make those games great but all the things that might turn you off from those games if you're not already into those types of games and it does that in an open world setting uh and for quite for a lot of people for many people because you're seeing the 10 out of 10s right that is going to mean that this game is a masterpiece for other people who might not have already liked souls games i don't i don't see how this is going to be the one to change their mind and i don't necessarily think it needs to right but i do think that there is a reality there if you do not like the style and the grotesque nature of the souls games and you do not like the combat of the souls game souls games either because they're punishing or you just don't like that they're slow or whatever it may be it is still that you are still going to get that experience here 
Yeah, I still think that Daniel Dwyer said it best. What and even Tam was mentioning is like, um, I don't think Souls games are necessarily the hardest games to play. I think that you start off being crappy at them because it's a style of combat you're not super familiar with. And obviously, a lot of games have taken a lot of Souls style combat and and brought the brought it into their own IP, but, uh. It's just something that you haven't necessarily played a lot because you've maybe just been hacking and slashing at something and you have a whole lot of health and you don't really feel like there are a whole lot of consequences whenever you've been playing like a, a, the Devil May Cry or, you know, any any just sort of normal hack and slash game. This is not that. There's a lot more thought uh, being put into the combat uh, in terms of like you having to move back and prepare for an attack and defend and dodge roll and all the all those things. So. It takes a bit more uh, thought instead of just, you know, I'm going to be completely reckless here. You cannot play a Souls game that way. You have to be a little bit more methodical in your approach. I want to pull this qu- question in from Mitch Craston, who also wrote in Patreon.com slash Kind of Funny Games. Just like you can, and says, Elden Ring question. Gamescast crew and reviewers have been mentioning how amazing it is to find things and talk to their crew on what they found in the world. In order to preserve this, should average Sally gamer be more wary of spoilers than normal? Um, I mean, here's the thing. I think to anybody, a lot of story elements will still largely be pretty easy to not understand yeah um that's that's the soul style you have to kind of take the lore for what it is and try to you know try to take bits of context from it and come up with exactly what you think is happening even though i think uh i we did a podcast last night with alana and i i said yeah co-op this time uh easier to get into compared to other souls games the story this time easier to digest i think in compared to other souls games um everything's kind of like grading on that curve i don't when i posted a tweet about watch out for this trailer because there are things you may not want to be spoiled on and some people are like oh i thought the trailer was great for me it was like damn i'm 63 hours in and this trailer is showing shit that i still haven't seen yet and i wish i hadn't seen that one boss i wish i hadn't seen this one location because these are all things that i didn't even know existed yet and so some people may not care about things like that, and I, I normally wouldn't have, or else I would have been completely radio silent as much as possible. But um, I think that there are going to be a lot of big wow moments that you will want to save for yourself, um, because those will be kind of those gaming memories that you will that will last a lifetime. That this yeah. game is full of them. My thing is for me, and I think for a lot of people who might go into Elden Ring. It is the the game is way less about the narrative and way more about just the experience of exploring and the gameplay and the lore grants a lot of texture around it and the lore is really cool right like it does have that Miyazaki like you're talking to characters and they say some shit and you're like what the fuck does that even mean what is a two curled finger I have no idea what you're talking about but the more you play the more you start to understand and the more that stuff starts to become cool but it, it, it for me the story becomes interesting when i talk to other people or when i watch a youtube video of theories sur- uh, around that when i go to vati vids on youtube and they do a whole breakdown of like oh this is what the story of elden ring means for me that's where that stuff shines and story spoilers are really a thing that i think are is too much of a thing to worry about i do think that there are for, when I think of spoilers in this game, I think of stuff that you'll uncover as you're exploring the world. Um, I think of like those moments where it is, oh shit, I came across X, Y, and Z thing that like blew me away in this moment. And I don't, I also don't think those things are too much of a thing to worry about because of how vast and varied and wide the game is. You're going, you're going to have like. 40 moments in this game where you uncover a thing and you go what the fuck is that and it is like this thing that you didn't expect and you are blown away by it uh you know i don't anybody talking about one given thing i don't think is crazy right like if i was if if in any other open world game right i'm like oh you uncover a dragon here right it's cool the dragon's not gonna ruin the game for you because there's plenty of other things outside of a dragon that's going to um like that's gonna blow you away. Like I, I, I think in talking about Elden Ring and listening to people talk about Elden Ring and reading tweets and all these things, right? Like that is kind of part of the experience. I don't. For me, I don't know if I would play this game if I there wasn't that aspect of me coming to Andy or me coming to Tam and being like, "Yo, you see this shit," and then going, "Yeah, but you see this shit," and us kind of like trading stories about our exploration in the world. For me, that's part of the experience. Yeah. I want to bring in this next question. 
from, of course, the homie nanobiologist who writes in and says, Hey, y'all, I just have a simple question regarding Elden Ring reviews. How much does it suck knowing that the Horizon franchise just got Breath of the Wilded again uh, this year? Like, Gorilla cannot keep escaping a Breath of the Wild-like masterpiece, taking away all of its thunder within weeks of its launch. Thanks, the nanobiologist. And I found this one interesting because I've seen quite a few people bring this up on Twitter, the idea that in 2017, Horizon came out was um revered you know critically well received loved all that stuff right and then breath of the wild comes out a week later and all of a sudden people start comparing the two and people start talking about all the things that uh breath of the wild has that that horizon zero west didn't right or horizon zero dawn didn't uh <laughs> and vice versa it does feel a little bit like it's a repeat situation of horizon Forbidden west coming out this last week Elden Ring coming out a week later and people making those exact same comparisons in terms of this is the open world game that's changing the game. This is the open world game that's doing things different. Andy, if I could start on this one, I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think her, I don't think Gorilla cares. I don't think PlayStation cares. I don't think it's going to do anything for sales. Like I think Gorilla and Horizon are fine. I think critically, yeah, they're in close proximity. And so I think you're going to come out of this with people saying that Elden Ring has the better open world, right? And in a lot of cases, people might say the, the, the exact opposite thing. I think these are two different enough games and how they function and the audiences that they're serving that I I don't think it's a problem. Like, I, 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 I don't I, – I think, the, like, the biggest thing might be end-of-year, game-of-the-year awards where maybe Elden Ring sees more because it is a game that is doing something that is so fantastically different in close proximity to Horizon, but I also don't think it's a – I don't think it's a big deal in terms of the way we talk about the two games. I agree. I, I think that it, it's an easy thing to be sort of reactionary about, um, especially when it happens twice in a row to games that are massively kind of coming in with a lot of hype and then deliver on a lot of that hype. Um, I think sales numbers will still be completely fine for Horizon Forbidden West. I think for me, it's more of the more of the mindshare Um you know, Horizon Forbidden West came out to great reviews and everybody loved it. And uh, immediately, I feel like the steam is sort of taken out of the sales in a way socially. But those are within our social windows. There are tons of people out there who may still be aware of who Aloy is and what Horizon Forbidden West is, but have no idea what the hell Elden Ring is. I mean, you saw the way every, there. Are, in other words, there are a lot of gamers out there that are not in these circles that are not on gaming twitter that still enjoy video games and still enjoy that open world experience but um similar to when i'm always reminded of the moment that elden ring won most anticipated game at the game awards and everybody's like what the fuck is elden ring <laughs> yeah. what, what the hell is this game people are talking about that happened a lot and i feel like there's still a lot of people out there and just like gene park uh from washington post put on twitter look horizon for west sold 20 million copies and the dark souls trilogy has sold about that much for their whole trilogy like they're gonna be fine don't worry. it's okay <laughs> yeah exactly and i think you're just seeing you're seeing you're seeing these games do different things in terms of the type of open world games they are like we talked a bit about this on the post show of the games cast yesterday um but there's the there's the idea of you know i know tam, tam played elden ring and elden ring spoke so much to tam because that is the type of open world game he's been waiting for right like there's i think a lot for a lot of people who are who might be like very hardcore about the games they play right like there might be a lot of fatigue in terms of the standard open world game design and like standard game design in general right like i don't need, even need to limit it to open world games or it is i'm tired of the handholdy stuff i'm tired of the icons i'm tired of like the ubisoft style go find a tower uncover the map and then go through and do a bunch of side quests that are all checklisted for you right i totally understand that i also do think that there's a large market for people who do enjoy that and i i i think i was in that place in 2017 when Breath of the Wild came out I played Breath of the Wild and I was like fuck this is the best open world game I ever played and I thought that that would have ruined open world games for me but then Ghost of Tsushima came out and I was like no I love this it's not it's not that open world games are broken it's just that the open world games that I was playing like it's just it's just that I wasn't into Assassin's Creed really is the thing right I wasn't right. Far Cry but 100%. once I found Ghost of Tsushima I was like oh shit no I'm really into this right once I came back and beat Horizon uh, Zero Dawn I was like no, I'm into this, right? Like, it is about finding what speaks to you in that way. And sometimes those types of games might just not speak to you, whereas something like Elden Ring or something like Breath of the Wild might speak to you. Uh, and I think that's why I've come around on this time around, where I'm like, no, man, like, for me, both Horizon and Elden Ring are both, like, fucking fantastic games that do very excellent things in their own right. I understand why people would compare them, because there are, like, 
there are things that I, th I, I think you can take away in design ethos that is really interesting in the ways that they do things differently. But I also don't think that that, that takes away from the conversation of how great Horizon is versus how great Elden Ring is versus how great the rest of the open world games that are coming out this year are going to be between Starfield, Breath of the Wild 2, uh, and others. Even Dying Light 2, honestly, like is an open world game that I was surprised I got into. Um, yeah, there's, there's going to be the versatility of open world games thousand percent there will still be a lot of conversation about this in the end of the year like we're still going to be talking yeah. about horizon i think if anything maybe uh nano is more pointing to i know like gary widow was tweeting about this recently but when a tv show comes out and all the episodes come out and you talk about it for a week and then it's on to the next thing and it may feel yeah. like horizon may have had that and there are also going to be a lot of gamers out there who are really interested in both of these titles but can only afford one and i've I've seen plenty of people say, damn, I can only get Horizon Forbidden West. I was really hoping to play Elden Ring and vice versa. Some people saying, you know, I could be playing Horizon, but I'd rather just spend that $60 on Elden Ring whenever that comes out. Um, and th that's definitely a portion of the audience as well. Andy, I got one more question here from D Block who wrote in and says, for the presumed Elden Ring review roundup, congrats to Elden Ring as it is now tied for the highest scored game of all time on Open Critic with a 97 critic average and a 100% recommendation rate. This ties it with Super Mario Odyssey and puts it above Breath of the Wild for the highest rated game on their service, right? And this is specifically talking again about Open Critic, not necessarily Metacritic. So my question is, how would you compare this game to Super Mario Odyssey? Also, when are we getting the kind of funny? When are we getting kind of funny on the Open Critic ranking? Thanks, y'all. Can't wait to get into the lands between. <laughs> First of all, D Block, I don't think we're trying to get on Open Critic or, or, or Metacritic, and so maybe hold your breath. Don't hold your breath on that one. Uh, but I like how ridiculous this question is because it's the most <laughs> apples adore. Just like, all right, Elden Ring versus Super Mario Odyssey. Who you got, Andy? Um, game. Well, I mean, I was never the highest person on Super Mario Odyssey anyway. I. I wow. like when I played Mario Galaxy, I was like, this is better than Odyssey. Uh, but a lot of that is just, you know, how people vibe with the certain uh, aspects of platforming, things of that nature. Um, that was the year that I was very much like Odyssey better not win. This better go to Breath of the Wild. Like there's of no course. shot this goes of to course. Odyssey. I'm not going to be I'm not gonna, I'm not going to be a crazy person and say that Odyssey is better than Breath of the Wild. What I will say is that <laughs> Mario Odyssey fucking amazing game. Like my second favorite 3D Mario after Mario 64. Like, I think Odyssey it's great. Fucking, I, like, I, revolution. I think it's great, but I just wasn't as like, wow, this is a masterpiece because uh, it started to feel a little bit samey to me as, as it kept going. Um, I think Elden Ring is a far and away a better game. And if you disagree, you're fucking wrong. You're so oh. wrong. <laughs> I disagree. I think Mario Odyssey takes it. But also, it's like, so wrong. it's the most like apples and oranges thing that I don't I think this conversation makes sense whatsoever. It doesn't. Uh, I'm just doing like the like, ESPN Stephen A. Smith first take thing where they're like, Michael Jordan could have never played in this era. Like, whatever the fuck. <laughs> Michael, yeah, Michael Jordan wouldn't be able to play against Steph, LeBron, and all these other guys. It was too hard of a game back then. LeBron would never be able to last that NBA. Oh, yeah. yeah LeBron would have got bullshit. fouled once and, and cried on the floor. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, I, th I think I go Mario Odyssey, but that's also pure preference of like I fucking I fucking love the the exploration of Mario Odyssey, which I guess Elden Ring has exploration too. But I think the like the type of exploration that it is in Mario Odyssey, which is me trying to like fucking ground pound like random spots on the map to try and reveal a moon, me like doing the movement stuff of like tossing my cap, my cap, diving at it, bouncing off of it, diving again to like get to like secret locations on the map. That shit just vibes with me so hard, and so yeah, I'm going Mario Odyssey, but. You know, I'm I, I, I think it's a fun one just to keep an eye on in terms of like Elden Ring compared to the other highest rated games, because now Elden Ring is in that the ring of games that are <laughs> of all time status on like these critic websites. Right. Like 97 on Metacritic is huge. Right. 97 on Open Critic uh, is huge. Uh, and that puts it beside uh, things like, again, like Breath of the Wild. Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3, I guess, and like a bunch of other masterpieces. <laughs> and so, like, congrats to, to Elden Ring. You did it. It came through. We'll see you again at the end of the year for Game of the Year season. Andy, before we hop in to the rest of the news stories, uh, I want to tell people about patreon.com slash kind of funny games so people can go to get the show ad free. And speaking of ads, let us tell you. Wait, actually, let's let's do that in the next story. Sorry. Uh, according to Kevin, we're going to save that for the. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's all good. It's all good because we have breaking news. We got an update on Dragon Age. Now, Andy, were you the one that added this one to the doc? There was something that just happened really late on Twitter. And so um, I wasn't able to fully comb through this story as to what the important beats are. But there's an update about Dragon Age. That's the news story. On to our ads. 
Hell yeah. Uh, there's an update <laughs> about Dragon Age. I'm like, there's a long blog post I'm trying to skim through. I'm trying to find Nibel to see if Nibel summed it up anywhere. I'll just read it. Shoot, I'll just read it. Yeah, is this is from blog.bioware.com. Uh, they write here. Hello. Last month you heard from me as we reflected back on 2021 and looked ahead to 2022 with the goal to communicate more often with our community and fans around the world. With that in mind, let's start with the next game in development, the new Dragon Age. As you may know, there are a few different stages to game development. First are the, co the concept and pre-production phases. When a team works on the creative vision for the game and starts laying down the technical foundations, basically creating a conceptual and technical technological blueprint for the game. Iteration and flexibility are key here, as ideas and game mechanics are proposed, tested out, and refined. Once the blueprint is complete, the production phase begins. Production is all... Wow, they're just teaching us how game development works. Good for them. <laughs> I'm going to skip through this portion. Um, it's ready? Okay, I'll, I'll get through this and we'll go through it. Yeah. For the next Dragon Age, uh, we are right in the middle of production, <clears throat> which is a great feeling. Our blueprint was completed last year, so we're now focused on building out our vision, creating amazing environments, deep characters, strong gameplay, impactful writing, emotional cinematics, and much more. The blueprint for the game is well understood and the team is focused. As we continue our journey, we wanted to wish Christian Daly a heartfelt farewell from Bioware. Christian started with us back in 2018 and has been a big influence on our games and our leadership team, most recently as executive producer over Dragon Age's development. The game industry is ever-changing, uh, ever-changing though, and sometimes folks want to go and try new things. We understand, but we will miss him as a friend and as a colleague. And we'll fast forward to this next paragraph blessing uh, that I was able to sort of skim through to the to the end of. says, And of course, we're also working on the next Mass Effect. The team led by Mike Gamble is made up of a team of veteran developers as well as new, really talented people. They are all actively prototyping new ideas and experiences. AAA next-gen games take a long time to make, and we know our fans may want them sooner, but our number one priority needs to be quality, and that mm -hmm. simply takes time to get it right. A whole lot of, like, non-news here. I thought that we were going to have a bit more in terms of, like, here's a, a an official tweet from the Bioware Twitter page. Um, and so good on them. They're still making the games, bless. <laughs> They're still making I, them. <laughs> I, I, my, the funny thing here, right? It's not even funny. Right? It's just to be expected. But them saying, of course, we're working on the next Mass Effect. And then also saying that like AAA next gen games take a long time to make. The fact that they're in the middle of production for Dragon Age or the, Dragon Age 4 makes me think that like when they say next gen for Mass Effect, they might mean PS6. And this game ain't coming out for a while. It's going to be a while before we get the next Mass Effect. Nah, okay, they got different teams. They got different where, teams. Where are you with Bioware nowadays? Because we're coming off of a post Mass Effect Andromeda and Anthem Bioware. I know you're a big Bioware fan. Do you think they got the stuff for the next two games? That remains to be seen. I know that a lot, uh, there are still core people there that may not be the Casey Hudson's, right? Like Mike Gamble has been there since the beginning. And I know that he's a passionate dude and he's got what it takes and understands what makes these games special to their fans. I, I'm most excited that I think this is a different environment they are now working under. Um, I've, I, I got a DM, uh, from somebody at Bioware saying, Hey, uh, Greg mentioned in this story about Crunch that he was also worried about Bioware and how the working environment is is here. And he was like, this is one of the best places I've ever worked. I've, I'm loving every second of it. So like that that's it seems like it's a much better place to be at now than it was back in the day when people were there was a lot of crunch and maybe there was a lot of uh, burnout and people weren't necessarily being able to put together that magic um, when it came down to crunch time. And I think they're just in a better place mentally. And I hope that I hope they can deliver this. I, I'm just I the thing that encourages me the most is seeing that they care really about this quality of the game. And sure, you can say that you still got to do it. But the idea of them saying, like, look, we're still working. We want these games to have great gameplay and meaningful experiences and awesome cinematics and emotional beats. All those things are kind of what made the Mass Effect and even Dragon Age games really special to me. And I think that they know and understand that. And I hope under this sort of new leadership, they can turn a new leaf. Yeah, I hope so, too. I think my big worry about it is the fact that, like, Andy, what would you say was the was the last, like, masterpiece Bioware game? And maybe not even masterpiece, the last fantastic bioware game oh inquisition dragon age inquisition and that was 2013 which is like nine years ago and i think for me the question is 
are they is it still the same team there nine years later that can make games of that quality right like are we asking too much of a studio that had their time a decade ago to now come back and try and try to live up to the greatness that they achieved a decade ago and i feel like that's a it's a high bar when you're talking about dragon age and mass effect and how beloved those franchises are like i don't want to count them out of course like i want to believe in them you know you're talking about uh bioware you're talking about a studio a big studio that's under ea right so they have the resources and they're bringing in a lot of uh, a lot of good leadership to to help see, see them through this but i wonder if it i wonder if we are at a place where it's like Hey man, it's a that's a bygone era. Games are different now. The team is different now. Like you are, we are asking too much of them to live up to making the great games of their past. Um, I I don't think that's necessarily out of the out of the realm of possibility that maybe they don't have this stuff. But I think we still see new games being made and coming out every couple of months or so that are still continuing to blow our minds from new developers. Um, I don't think it has to be the old guard working on something. I think it can be similar to when when force awakens came out and i really really love star wars force awakens and a lot of the sort of news around that was like the people making these movies were fans of these movies yeah like they grew up with this sort of stuff right and so i think um i think a lot of people working there now may in some ways have passion for i'm not here to kind of question what the people's levels of passion uh, are for this fran for these franchises um but i don't think that they necessarily need to have the core team intact i think they just ha need to have a core team of good developers and good minds um and good passion for these next sort of properties that they're working on andy do you know what i have good passion for what's up bless patreon.com slash kind of funny games where we're gonna try Holy again shit. to get you the show ad free or we're gonna give you the ads uh but you of course can go there to get the show ad free and speaking of ads let us tell you about our sponsors I don't care how soft or firm your mattress topper is. I don't even care how heavy your blanket is. There's only one thing you need to get a good night's sleep, and that's a good mattress. Get the only thing you truly need for a great night's sleep, a purple mattress. Only purple mattresses have the gel flex grid. It's a super stretchy, ultra squishy material that adapts and flexes around pressure points and doesn't retain heat. It's amazingly supportive and cushioning in all the right places, no matter how you sleep. How do I know so much about it? Well, of course you've known for years, Joey's used a purple mattress. You know, Tim uses the purple pillow and now the future class of video games blessing Eddie Oye Jr. is sleeping on a purple mattress and he tells me all the time it keeps him cool, comfortable and gives him a great night's sleep. Getting a great night's sleep starts with having a great mattress. Get a purple mattress. Go to purple.com slash kind of funny and use the code kind of funny. For a limited time, you can get 10% off any order of $200 or more. That's purple.com slash kind of funny. Code kind of funny for 10% off your order of $200 or more. That's purple.com slash kind of funny. Promo code kind of funny. Terms apply. Your to-do list is absolutely bonkers between those meetings, errands, chores, and making sure you get some you time too. So make sure you get a little time to yourself with some help from DoorDash. DoorDash brings you what you want to eat right now, right to your door. Desperately craving late night snacks? Or have you forgot one key ingredient for dinner? Or maybe you just want to stock up for the week? Well, DoorDash has it all in one app. How do I know so much about DoorDash? Well, I'm Greg Miller, and I use DoorDash way too much. Uh, if you were watching the Kind of Funny podcast, when we were talking about a whole bunch of different stuff, Nick mentioned the ice cream place you really like, and I said, where is there one around me? And I said, yes, there is, and I ordered from it, and I had it on the post show. I was eating ice cream on the post show, giving you a review of the ice cream, all because of DoorDash. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code KINDAFUNNY. That's 25% off, up to a $10 value and zero delivery fees in your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the app store and enter the code kinda funny. Don't forget that's code kinda funny for 25% off your first order with DoorDash. Subject to change, terms apply. One. Andy, let's talk about let's talk about what you just did just now. I was gonna say let's talk about yeah. number two, but like you're, you you just had a little small crisis there. Nah, nah, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Never mind. Nothing happened. This, Andy's definitely not covered in water right now. Story number two: Activision is delaying next year's Call of Duty. This is Jason Schreier at Bloomberg. Activision will delay a Call of Duty game that had been planned for next year. The first time the franchise will be without an annual mainline release in nearly two decades, according to people familiar with the plan. 
The company is pushing off the release after a recent entry in, in the series failed to meet expectations, leading some executives to believe that they're introducing new versions too rapidly, said the people who asked not to be identified because they weren't authorized to discuss the liberations. The decision was not related to Activision's agreement to sell itself to Microsoft for $69 billion, the people said. Activision is working on other projects to fill the gap next year. A Call of Duty game set to come out this fall will receive a steady stream of additional content, and there will be a new free-to-play online title next year, said the people. Treyarch, the, the Activision-owned studio working on the now-delayed game, will also help with the free-to-play free title, the people said. Quote, we have an ex exciting slate of premium and free-to-play Call of Duty experiences for this year, next year, and beyond, a spokesperson uh, for Activision wrote in an emailed statement. <laughs> they continue, we look forward to sharing more details when the time is right, end quote. The delay will have a massive effect on the game, on the video game industry. Every fall since 2005, Activision has put out a new premium entry in the lucrative shooting series. Call of Duty games regularly top yearly sales charts and have sold more than 400 million units since the series began in 2003. Last year's entry, Call of Duty Vanguard, failed to meet, failed to meet Activision's sales expectations, leading executives to suspect that it had been cannibalized by the previous year's game. A free-to-play version released in 2020, Call of Duty Warzone, remains a massive success and may have drawn players away from the premium entries. Activision remains autonomous, and Microsoft could decide to change these plans after the acquisition, which is expected to be finalized by the summer of 2023, pending approval from regulators. The shares declined as much as 1.4% in extended trading Tuesday on news of the delay. Call of Duty games are, de are developed by a rotating stable of Activision's development studios. This year's entry, a new Modern Warfare game, will be made by Woodland Hills, California-based Infinity Ward. Bloomberg earlier reported that Activision executives were seriously considering skipping a year of Call of Duty. Andy, this is one that I think we've been kind of talking about for a minute now. Not necessarily the delay, this is news to us, but the fact that there's been kind of a oversaturation of Call of Duty now that we have Warzone out. And this news, Jason's right up here kind of hints towards that, right? The idea that Warzone comes out and now there's so many options for Call of Duty players to go that Vanguard comes out and kind of feels like it's just another one, right? DJ Khaled style, another one. Right. Does this delay surprise you? No Call of Duty next year. Um, I, it, it does because I usually just sort of take them to be the, the shotgun approach, just throw out as many titles out there as possible. And I think that Warzone certainly muddies the waters a bit and may kind of get, get people confused and may necessarily don't understand what the franchise has been about where, well, you have Warzone. What's this new Vanguard thing? And Vanguard may seem like a sort of offshoot or maybe a side project of some sort. Um, I, I'm i not surprised by this at all. And I, it was also interesting to learn that this wasn't Xbox's call. This wasn't Microsoft calling this. This was um, kind of early in talks to happening for a while uh, at this point. So I'm not, I'm surprised that it is happening. And I'm really happy that it's happening. I hope we get that sort of leap in quality and not a leap in quality, but leap in, you know, uh, in employer happiness <laughs> because uh, employee happiness, rather, because, you know, these games are gigantic. These games are really big and shitting them out that quickly is just like that's a tall task. Yeah. And, and I, I think it's interesting from the idea that the the last Call of Duty didn't perform as well because we talked about a lot, <clears throat> a lot that like when you look at the top 10 sales for last yeah. year, Call of Duty Vanguard was still the number one selling game of the year, right? Or maybe it might've been Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. At the very least, it was top two on that PlayStation list, right? Call of Duty Vanguard is still a top selling game. Uh, and so for the fact that it still didn't live up to Activision, uh, Activision's forecast, it it's, it's funny, but also like, cool, I get it, right? You guys have big expectations for your games that are these big juggernaut releases every year. So even if it's one of the best selling games of the year, it might not still hit the same number as like a black ops release or a modern warfare release and you're looking for that type of number out of it how I much think... how much of that do you think that they are looking at the actual revenue coming in from microtransactions and from people buying things from the shop and like how much of that does that take into account because we know that the climate on on vanguard has was kind of cool at the outset um again the internet isn't real life but just based on what a lot of people felt about call of duty vanguard's multiplayer that 
it felt like it was lacking and i'm it sure felt... quite a bit yeah like i and i'm sure that also gets split between warzone and other call of duty titles where it is cool now the, now that you have not just two titles kind of in rotation between the previous year's title and the current year's title you now have three titles in rotation i think yeah that's going to eat into each other in terms of micro microtransactions i think this news is exciting this is what i i say we want from call of duty right the idea of them taking off a year and that lending to more quality in the game and you bring in you, you bring up like the the um uh, environment for the employees right like that's theoretically hopefully fingers crossed going to lead to uh less crunch and it's <clears throat> it's going to lead to a better uh, better working environment but then also yeah it's going to lead to better quality in the games and games that we don't necessarily need to be yearly you know like i i know i, I know the call of duty fan base loves call of duty right and like what and once that new call of duty to chew on but i also don't think that any i don't i also don't think there's many people out there that are going to miss the call of duty next year and go oh where is it right like well i need something to play it's like no you have modern warfare modern warfare 2 probably it's going to come out this fall yeah and you're going to have the updates for that that, it, that are going to keep that exciting along with the updates for warzone and i think that feeds in nicely with the the microsoft acquisition where now you are then uh, in in this big transitional period for Activision, Microsoft, and Call of Duty, you kind of have the space to breathe and reassess and go, cool. Now that we're in Microsoft's hands, and this and this is more on the Microsoft side than the Activision side, right? Like, how do we want to move forward? We have this year off. We have we have um, Activision in our control now. Like, now that we've set the standard of being able to take a year off, and that seeming seemingly being the good idea for even sales of the franchise do we pivot toys for bob do we pivot right. uh, sledgehammer to doing something else do we pivot any of these studios or find ways to smoothen out this um development process to make our games even better um i think it's an, it's an exciting i'm curious to see like what that means for modern warfare 2 and like what that looks like post update um i think a lot of good things come out of this but it is i do come with that little bit of surprise that um uh, being surprised of the fact that it's been so many years the call of duty has been annual that the it's, idea of not getting one not getting a premium one next year is a bit like oh shit all right like let's see what this is it's really interesting to me because i think just in the way that these game development cycles happen when I first saw this story at a glance, I just sort of like looked at Twitter and I, I noticed like no new Call of Duty next year. I thought, oh, wow, that's weird. I could have sworn they just said Modern Warfare 2 was coming out this year. And mm -hmm. or, or next year or whatever. Like it's something about Call of Duty games releasing in the fall that I feel like it's more of a 2023 type game anyway with Modern Warfare 2 coming out. And it's like, oh, they're talking about the game coming out, not this coming fall, but the next fall. Like it's these games come out way too often like for me to oh, be yeah. confused about that somebody who's in the industry like i think that these somebody who plays call of duty too pump the brakes like yeah like <laughs> for real like we're getting at that point where um especially after seeing vanguard come out and a lot of people have their issues with it um this is like the best case scenario for the franchise i don't think people are are necessarily dying to play that new call of duty experience uh, especially when they're going to have modern warfare 2 and it's probably going to be a return to form um, in terms of the the aesthetic and the setting. Um, if you're a Modern Warfare 2 getting delayed, I could see a lot of issues with that people saying like, yeah. we're going to be in World War 2 for this fucking long. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like that, I, I think that Modern Warfare 2 having longer legs um, and, and lasting a bit longer is the absolute right call. Um, but yeah, the thing that confuses me the most less is when I, it, it's such a small, um, a small section of it but when i think of the esports landscape and call of duty league it's still so weird to me that competitive valorant plays valorant competitive counter-strike plays counter-strike competitive overwatch plays overwatch league of legends they play league of legends every year competitive call of duty they play that year's call of duty and that's so fucking crazy to me like i, I can't mm -hmm. imagine you know all right, new year, new maps, new guns. Go get used to it. Like, that's such a weird concept to me. And this is, like, a totally different discussion, and most people don't care about competitive esports, but uh, in in this audience, I feel. Um, but, god dang, it's so bizarre to me that <laughs> you play one Call of Duty, and it's like, all right, on to the next on one. On to the next one, yeah. It's so it bizarre like to me. Different developers, right? Like, different yeah. games, and you kind of have to just be on it with whatever the next iteration is. Kevin, yeah. uh, real quick, before between news stories, do I sound all right? I saw Twitch chat was, like, freaking out for a second. You sound there. great. 
Okay, cool. Uh, then let's continue with our next news story. Story number three, Nier Automata is becoming an anime. This is Ryan Leston at IGN. The hit action RPG, uh, the hit action RPG, Nier Automata is being made into an anime. Announced today by developer Square Enix during the game's fifth anniversary livestream, the adaptation will see the Japanese video game becoming a TV anime series. A brief teaser trailer gives us a glimpse of the animation style. Along with the trailer, Square Enix also revealed an image of 2B along with her pod companion robot. According to, her to a translated official statement, the story sounds as though it hews close to the original game. Humans have fled to the moon in the face of the overwhelming force of machine life forms, and combat android 2- 2B uh, has been sent to recapture the planet. Aniplex, the studio responsible for Full Metal Alchemist and Sword Art Online, is said to be involved in the production of the Nier Automata anime. Andy, I fucking love Nier Automata, right? One of my favorite... Maybe, yeah, probably one of my favorite stories in video games. Definitely one of my favorite video game experiences. Uh, I'm looking forward to this anime. I have a lot of questions on, like, how it's going to tackle a lot of the shit in the game. Because I feel like Nier Automata, for what you get out of that game, so much of it is inherent to it being a video game. And you doing, like, the getting the different endings and replaying it from the perspective of different characters. I'm curious to see how they capture it, if they are going to stick fully to the 2B, 9S uh, uh, story of Nier Automata. I got a lot of questions about this. Regardless, I'm excited for it. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to probably enjoy it. That's where I'm at with it. Yeah, it's going to be awesome to see that game uh, in a different medium. I've always loved the art style. Um, I always love the the sort of mech-inspired uh, hard surface modeling uh, involved there. I think I've just always kind of dug the, the vibe of that game. And uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. I feel like this is... Um, not to keep on bringing up our Bloodborne podcast, but I had brought up on that show earlier last year. Like, it, it would be weird to experience this story in any other way that wasn't a gaming medium because so yeah. much of it is about uncovering these surprises and getting that different ending and knowing that you could have easily not gotten that different ending had you not gone for it. The, but the fact that you went for it, like, a lot of that feels earned in a way. And so much of the satisfaction you get is the fact that you did it on your own and kind of uh, bringing this to just a visual medium seems interesting, um, but it's it's going to be cool either way. I'm just, I'm, yeah. I'm stoked to just see that sort of world brought to life on that medium. Yeah, and I think that Nier has such a cool and weird lore to it that I think there are things that you can do differently in an anime that could highlight a lot of the weirdness and a lot of like the, just the pure narrative aspects of it that could come across a little bit more clearer uh, as an anime than a video game. But even like here, like Jurassic Raps in chat mentions that animes do more than you think. And I, and I don't doubt that a near anime could get weird like the near game does, but it reminds me, you mentioned Bloodborne, right? Like the comparison I would make would be something like Shadow of Colossus, where in Shadow of Colossus, stabbing, uh, getting to, getting to the meaningful aspects of that game and like stabbing these colossi and going through the motions of like, you know, taking these things out so that you can bring life back to this person that you that, that you love, right? I think so much of that comes with the experience of actually killing these things yourself and ha- feeling that guilt as a player as you come to realize what is happening in the game. I think Neurotomata has some similar aspects to it that re- kind of require it to be a game, but I don't think it's impossible, right? Like, I'm, I, I think it's sure. more of a, how do we translate it, right? How do we right. convey the same things in an anime, which I'm curious to see. And that's um, why they're pros and we're not, so. <laughs> exactly. That's I'll why, let them do why. it. <laughs> and these guys made uh, Full Metal Alchemist, which I know Bear Courtney fucking loves, and the world loves, and I've been tr- wanting to watch forever. So I, I got trust in these guys, you know? Why not? Yeah. Knock bless, it out the park. Bless. What's up, Kevin? It's pretty cool. You should watch Full it. Full Metal? Yeah. That's what I hear, man. That's it's what I hear. Rad. I got, it's pretty rad, bro. I got a list of, of shows, though. You know, like I gotta, I gotta go back. I gotta finish season two of Demon Slayer. I gotta watch Mob Psycho. Uh, I gotta. What else was on? I had like one more. Oh, I gotta finish Hunter Hunter. I'm like halfway through Hunter Hunter. And Hunter Hunter, let me tell you, that show just keeps going. <laughs> that show does not end. There's like a billion arcs in that thing. It feels like. <laughs> it doesn't that, but doesn't it abruptly end? Yeah, that's the other thing too. Is yeah. that like I, I think they're still waiting on whatever the next season is. I don't but think it's coming. It's been on a long hiatus. No, I, I think it's done. Be in Aether Metal and Chats is blessed. Watch JoJo. That's also also on the list. I've been wanting to watch JoJo because like that that show looks weird. You're looks not gonna fun. watch any of them. Let's be honest. It's, I don't. Uh, JoJo seems like it's gonna be a bizarre adventure, Andy. So I kind of want to watch. I kind of want to watch. Mike liked it. Mike liked it. Right? He was saying it was cool. Yeah, I think he, he dug it. Yeah. It's yeah. I hear a lot of people love or JoJo. Something. The only reference point I have for JoJo is like the guy leaning back, pointing, and then a ghost creature kind of coming out behind him and doing some cool shit. I see a lot of TikToks that reference that. Seems pretty dope. 
Anyway, let's round out the Roper Report with our last news story. Story number four, Iron Galaxy Studios is opening a new office. This is Jeffrey Rousseau at gamesindustry.biz. Today, game developer Iron Galaxy Studios has announced that it will expand with a new office in Nashville, Tennessee. The new location will serve as the company's third branch as it joins uh, its Orlando, Florida, and Chicago, Illinois establishments. The game developer also said that it intends to invest $950,000 in the creation of the Nashville expansion. Founded in 2008, Iron Galaxy has developed titles such as Killer Instinct, Extinction, and Wrecketeer. The company is also the second largest independent game developer within the U.S., Quote, through a focus on our people and DEIA, uh, we, are proud, we are proud that we have successfully enhanced our diversity figures and are looking forward uh, to capitalizing on the amazing talent pool of technology professionals available in Nashville, as well as supporting the local community, said Iron Galaxy Studios co-CEO Chelsea Blasco. Woo. Go get him, Iron Galaxy. I'm still excited for Rumbleverse. Rumbleverse. Yeah. That game got delayed out of February. I got very sad. But whenever it comes out, I do want to try it out because that game looks real fun. Yeah. I mean, I, I was I, I know that our homie Sancho West is really digging it and always looks forward to getting into those betas. So I definitely want to give it a shot. He I saw him reply to Tim Gettys uh, talking about you. You've heard of Tim Gettys, right? Um, I've heard his name. Throughout. Yeah. Tim Gettys uh, tweeted about Sifu and um how he platinumed it so, and shout out to tim for that and then sancho was like dude you would love rumbleverse it has that sort of you know rock paper rock, rock paper scissors aspect of fighting to it um so that sounds that sounds like a cool concept i definitely want to give it a shot at first it was like i don't know i don't really know what's going on in this kind of uh, battle royale wrestling battle royale that sounds kind of weird yeah. gimmicky but uh apparently it's a lot deeper than what it seems hell yeah well andy i'm very excited about rumbleverse but the release of Rumbleverse is so far away. If I want to know what's coming out to Mom Grab Shops today, where would I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show hosts each and every weekday. Out today, we got Dr. Oil for Xbox One, Edge of Eternity for Switch, Sam and Max, this time it's virtual for PSVR, for the warp for switch final fantasy 6 for pc and then blade and sword for pc uh one new date for you dragon ball fighters is coming to pc game pass on february 24th uh, we got a deal of the day ps plus games for march have been revealed and it is a banger of a month everybody you got arc survival evolved ghost runner Woo! ghost of tsushima legends and team Woo! sonic racing and then on top of that halfway through the month you're gonna get gta online uh again banger month i definitely recommend Pretty much all these games. I never played Ark, but of course, like it's a popular game, so why not? But Ghost Runner, I know Andy loves, and I really enjoyed Ghost Team of Legends, fucking a banger, and then Team Sonic Racing. I fucking loved it, uh, because I, I love Sonic, but I also love racing, and so you like both those things. Let me tell you, great Team combination. It's a great combination. <laughs> uh, oh man, we had a, we had a good reader mail, but we don't have. Uh, I love ghosts and running, so Ghost Runner, great combination. Exactly, exactly. We have like a reader mail, and we have a squad up. But and like both of them are bangers, but we only have time for neither. <laughs> and so I'm gonna do one. I'm gonna do one. Okay. I'm gonna do the reader mail from Queso Gatami, of course. You can write in patreon.com slash kind of funny games, all that good stuff. Queso wrote in to say, Hi team. Last week I mentioned in chat that I invented a whiskey and cider cocktail, and Blessing said it sounded good, so I wanted to make sure he saw the recipe. Uh, I guess to make this a question, will Bless try this and let everyone know what a bomb mixologist I am? The recipe goes like this. Take two ounces of whiskey, half ounce each of amaretto and lemon juice, a sprinkle of cinnamon, and optionally a whole clove and whole star. Um, how do you pronounce that? Anise? I don't -N -I -S -S know. Anise. 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 And shake mm -hmm. them until chilled. Add three ounces of cider to your shaker and give a couple gentle <laughs> <laughs> stirs. Strain into an ice-filled glass and garnish with a cinnamon stick if you're feeling fancy. I wanted to bring this up because this sounds like a great KFGD segment one of these days. I, I want Kevin to do this with me, though. I'd be open to. I have a lot of those ingredients, but I was only listening like half of it. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll I'll copy it and I'll I'll send it to you. But like one of these KFGDs, I want to try I this out because this does sound fantastic. Here here's what I, here's the the challenge that I pose out to the community. All you mixologists out there, let's get some gaming themed drinks, like recipes sent to us of like, yeah, hey, here's the wasted. Here's the Dude. Sonic the Hedge. You know, I don't know. I'm trying to like make a pun, but I just can't Sonic. really think of much right now. Yeah, so metal beer solid, and it's like oh, <laughs> when it, metal beer solid. When when it says clove, a whole clove, a clove of what? I, what is a clove? Is that like a leaf? 
That's what I'm. Uh, that's no, it's like a little. It's a little chunk of garlic, right? A little clove of garlic. But that's like that can't be. Like he can't be like, hey, put a little throw piece a whole of garlic fucking in thing here. in there. <laughs> <laughs> throw a big old piece of garlic in your cider. Throw it hard, yeah. Disgusting. Oh uh, no, it's it's, to, like, holler it's at somebody while drinking a cider with garlic in it. Cloves are little like uh, little like tiny like wooden nail looking things. I got it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. See, it's funny because okay. like I know all these things in Spanish. It's my spice knowledge. Mm-hmm. Here's what I propose. Uh huh. We make this a Wednesday thing. Where whenever me, Andy, and Kevin are hosting together, at the end of KFGD, we do like these mixed drinks, and we drink it. I mean, I probably won't. It sounds like a lot of work. It sounds like a lot of work. Bless, bless. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear What's me out. up? We do another weekend stream, but you come and you play video games from here, and I make us cocktails. That sounds like a fucking <laughs> fantastic I mean? idea, Kevin. I am in. I'm 100 in. Let's do it. Bloodborne, the old-fashioned hunters. Ooh, ooh, that's really good. That's really good. Queso Autonomo. I definitely didn't say your name right. Thank you so much. Queso Gatame. <laughs> Guantanamo Bay. Guantanamo Beso. Guantanamo Beso. Thank you so much for writing in with your suggestion. I'll for sure try that. Try out that cocktail and get back to y'all with my uh, review, my cocktail review. That's right. I'm doing cocktail reviews now. Now it's time for kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. Rewriting oh, Dansky Gin and Sonic. Fuck. Oh, shit. That's gin and really Sonic. Good. Fantastic. Ooh, oh, some blue curacao. Oh! So it's a blue drink, you know? Ooh, a little drink, you get a red lobster, Kevin. Oh my god, I love this. Oh, red dead oh. lobster. <laughs> uh, looking through, you're wrong. Let's see here. Like, I didn't know we wrong? were doing puns on <laughs> family <laughs> restaurants. <laughs> it's not a you're wrong. You're not. None of these are your wrong. You're wrong. So we're good. Andy, wow. me and you had a perfect game. Great, great. A show. lot of clarification Say. here. A lot of additional information, but none of these are us being technically wrong. So we killed it. Great Again, show. That's what happens. We got me, Andy, and Kevin mm-hmm. on the on the, on the mics. Just you killing know, it. just killing, just killing it. it. Uh, of course, today's Wednesday. I mean, tomorrow's Thursday, and your hosts for tomorrow are Tim and Lucy. I believe that's Lucy James from Gamespot. Could it be Lucy O'Brien from IGN? Maybe I don't know. It's just the first. <laughs> name. Could be a different Lucy. You know, you think maybe we should put last names in here. I'll, just a suggestion. You know, just a suggestion. Pokemon uh, Black and White Russian. Ooh, that's good. That's really good. If you're watching this live on Twitch right now, after this, is Mike and Barrett playing some God of War. If you want to catch no. that stream later, uh, what is it, Barrett? Or not it, Barrett, sorry, Kevin. Fortnite. Ooh, with who? Nick, Raj, Joey. Ooh. The classic squad. Old Snow Mike Mike's on the slopes right now. Hitting yeah, the he's, oh, yeah, he's in the slopes. Yeah, he's having Woo. a fun time on the mountain. Well, there you go. Hang out with some Fortnite, and then you can catch that later if on. YouTube. either of you guys want to join plays. at some point, let me know, because uh, I don't think Roger's going to be staying the full time, so... <sighs> Kevin, I would, but I got this game called Elden Ring. Yeah. Um, you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it'll uh, be there. It'll be there. Beer Take Automata. That's a good one right there. Be fun. Beer Automata. What's, what's the Elden Ring drink? Uh, uh, I don't Elden... Know. Elden drink. Oh, elderflower drink. So, something with elderflower, right? Eldenflower. Yeah. Eldenflower. Okay. Elden drink. Boom. Done. Just Elden elderflower Elden. and tequila. All right, I dig it. Uh, remember this has been kind of funny games daily each and every weekday live right here on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games we run you through the nerdy news you need to know about we have a patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level patreon.com slash kind of funny games so stick around for that otherwise until next time game daily <laughs>